So where do we find lasting satisfaction? Where do we go to satisfy the deep hunger for life that's within each one of us? As the drama just showed, I have here with me the same thing you see on your screen, a plate, a fork, and a knife. As the drama just showed us, we can look for all sorts of things. Um, new clothes and shopping, TV, a vacation. Maybe it's money that we think will satisfy. Or maybe it's a deep a relationship that we're pursuing that will finally satisfy us. We're longing for something, and I think all of us, many of us, have already discovered that the things in this life, however good they might be, are, will never fully satisfy us. Think about Christmas Day. It's the day when you often receive more gifts than you received all year long. You've probably eaten better food on Christmas Day than you eat any other time of year. And at the end of the day, by the time you get to Christmas Day evening, if we're really honest with ourselves, we start to wonder, what is this all about? And there's still an inner emptiness within us. And this, too, does not satisfy our deepest hunger. So obviously, we know that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus and feeds on the bread of life will never go hungry. Anyone who believes in him and comes to him will never be hungry. The crowd that Jesus first declared these words to in John chapter 6 were Jews. And if you look at verse 2 in the beginning of chapter 6, it tells us exactly who they were. These people had heard of Jesus working miracles, and they were flocking to him from all over to see and hear for themselves. They were so eager that they kept following him even when he tried to get away by himself. So all these people end up a long way from home, and they're extremely tired, and they're extremely hungry, and rather than turning away from them, Jesus has compassion on the people and feeds them with bread. Look at verse 4. If you're following along in John chapter 6, verse 4, John tells us that when did this happen? Can you tell me? Louder, because I'm hard of hearing. Yes, right before the Passover, this took place. Talk about a coincidence. A crowd of people are longing for freedom from slavery and oppression. They're following Jesus into the wilderness, and they're tired, and they're hungry, and they're needy, and they're wondering, and they're hoping that this person might just be the one promised to come and free them again. And right in front of them, Jesus feeds them with bread from heaven. It's the Exodus story being reenacted all over again. Jesus is feeding them just like his father God did in the, Exodus, in the Exodus story where they're running around in the wilderness and it's, Jesus decides to feed them right at the same time that they're about to celebrate Passover, the, when they remember the Exodus story. Is this some sort of sign? 
Is it really a coincidence? Look at verse 14. The light goes on in these people's heads. The crowd recognizes him as the long-awaited prophet. They immediately want to make Jesus their king, and that this, Jesus escapes up to the mountain alone. Their agenda is not the same as what Jesus wants it to be. Their hopes and their aspirations for freedom are not what God has in mind. John tells us that they come looking for Jesus again and again, and in no time they're asking for a sign to prove that he's a prophet. Jesus never worked miracles in order to prove who he was. The miracles that Jesus did were always in response to a need. These people were hungry, and so Jesus fed them. Their ancestors in Exodus would have starved in the desert, but God chose to feed them because he loved them and cared for them. Jesus is anxious that the people would see and understand this miracle as a sign that will lead their eyes and their minds and their hearts to the true gift of God to his people. John chapter 6, this event that we're looking at is the new Exodus story. Now it was more important Not that they see what Jesus could do for them, but that they would understand who Jesus really is. Being confronted with Jesus in this new way opens up deep and more wonderful ways of what Jesus can do for you and for me, what he wants to do for you and for me. Jesus still today provides for us and meets our needs. He comes to us offering himself as the bread of life. He invites us to eat of him and feed from him and see what Jesus can really do in our lives. So what does this mean for us today? It might mean that you have to give up something that you desperately want. It might mean making some changes in your life that are going to cost you your pride or your security or your rights. Even every single one of us has hopes, every single one of us has aspirations of God, just like the Jews in John chapter 6. But the reality is some of those hopes and aspirations are my own agendas, and Jesus would rather have us be open to receiving him in deeper and more satisfying ways. So jump down to verse 41. What's happening in verse 41? The Jews are terribly unhappy when Jesus told them he was the bread of heaven and that they should trust him. And what did the Jews begin to do? What does John tell us? Grumble. Who does he think he is? We know his mom and dad. He's just Joseph's son. They're grumbling and they're objecting. Is, is it really just another coincidence from the original Passover story in Exodus? It didn't take long for the people in John chapter 6 to object to the way God was dealing with them, just like it didn't take very long for the people, the Israelites in Exodus, to object to the way God was dealing with them. Both of these people in the Old and the New Testament had to learn that God is not just at their beck and call, nor does God owe it to them. God is going to act, and God is going to save his people in God's way, not the way that they always want. God had not chosen them because they were special or particularly moral or godly people. He chose them, both the Israelites and the Jews in John chapter 6, he chose them because he loved them. And he desired 
to show his grace and his mercy to these people in order to fulfill his purposes through, him, through them and to bring healing and salvation to the Jews and the entire world. So what is your response when Jesus doesn't act in the way that you so much want him to in your life? To be disappointed with Jesus is perfectly normal. There would probably be something wrong if we didn't feel times when God just seems so far away from us. That's how the Jews were feeling in John chapter 6. When the things we are sure will make us better just don't happen. Where is God when life is like this? It's right at this point that we too begin to grumble. Our grumbling and our disappointments can result in attempts to manipulate God and those around us to satisfy our own needs. He is not at our beck and call, but God does come to us through Jesus himself. Jesus says that he is the bread of life. Trust him and we will never be hungry or thirsty again. Bring your disappointments and your sadness and your grief to him and be open to discovering Jesus in new and deeper ways. Now, Jesus hasn't chosen you, and Jesus didn't choose me because we're special or particularly moral or godly people. Jesus chose us simply because he loves us and wants to fulfill his purposes through us. His purposes for the world are still freedom from sin and slavery, freedom from self-absorption and greed. Jesus comes to us and poured out his life so that we can gain through his death and resurrection. Jesus made very strong connections for the Jews about how God fed their fathers with their forefathers with manna from heaven and now in John 6 he's fed them in the wilderness with bread. And I think it's important that we don't just spiritualize the language of eating and drinking today so that it means this inner non-physical event, meditation, prayer, commitment, celebration. It is those things. That's a part of it in this passage. But I think that there's, that's only one layer of what we read in John chapter 6. Look at the final clause in John chapter 6, verse 50. There's one layer where we can talk about prayer and commitment and spiritualizing our eating and drinking in our life. But then in verse 50, Jesus introduces an, another layer. It's a deeper nuance on the theme of bread. This bread that reminds us of Moses and the Exodus, this bread that is now disclosed in Jesus Christ himself, this bread must be consumed, as any bread would be, right? We'd all eat it. Jesus stretches this bread analogy by announcing, but here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which people may eat and not die. When Jesus disclosed the identity of this heavenly bread, it was scandalous. His audience complained and grumbled. And now at the end of John 6, he says this bread, Jesus himself, must be eaten, and he's saying something scandalous again. Are we supposed to just go and munch on Jesus' flesh? No, we're not cannibals. But Jesus is speaking about his own body being offered and that we must consume it. So this language of eating at the end of John 6 uses the Greek tense of the verb to describe it as a singular event, a decision that we make to believe in Jesus Christ and receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus wants to be consumed by us. 
There's a mystery here that cannot be explained away when we consume Jesus, whether that's at the communion table or when we're um, meeting Jesus for the very first time or when we're soaking up Jesus' words in the Bible. When you consume Jesus, when you eat, you are changed. Now the ancestors of the original Exodus story ate the bread, but they still died. We are people of the new Exodus story, the ones who, through who Jesus desires now to fulfill his purposes. And this bread, this bread of life in which Jesus himself is given, and given to be broken in death, so that those who eat of it may not die but have eternal life in the present and in the future be raised up at the last day. Put your whole trust in Jesus and be satisfied. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and join me at the front. But church, I want, to, you, I want you to hear something. God wants to do new things for us. And God wants to do new things in us individually and as a church body. We hear these words of John, John chapter 6 four Sundays in a row. You've heard them before. They've become familiar and we begin to lose the wonder and the mystery. We think we already know what God means here, but we've hardly begun to grasp the truth and the meaning and we hardly know who Jesus really is. So we come with an open and expectant and repentant heart which will free and liberate you from your past. You come with an open and expectant and repentant heart, and it opens you up to all kinds of new possibilities with Jesus, a life that is so satisfying and fulfilling that you'll never long for anything. Is that really possible? Jesus says it is. So let's stand and sing about this possibility with Christ that we would have a life so satisfying and fulfilling we'd never long for anything else.